everyone and welcome to the Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to come back every Friday for a new episode with special guests from the leading companies in the supply chain. This week we're joined by Sophia Agnes Nagy. She is a supply chain advisor and specialist with the company that she launched just last year, which we will definitely be touching on later in the podcast. So today we will be discussing frugal supply chains in particular relation to sustainability. So thank you so much for joining us today, Sophia. Could you please just introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Emily, for having me on the podcast. It's really an honor and uh, appreciate, uh, you know, the opportunity as well. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, as, as you said, uh, uh, we're going to talk about frugal supply chains and uh, and sustainability and, and how I really got here. Uh, as you said, yeah, I'm... Um, I'm running my own little company at the moment, uh, which is really supply chain advisory and uh, helping companies uh, with their different supply chain problems. Of course, as, as you know, normally with consultancy or advisory, it's really about um, improvement of the processes or, or projects uh, as they see fit or what, what they need. But uh, what I'm really focused on and what I'm really interested in uh, establishing with most of, uh, of the clients and the companies I work with is um, a circular uh, economy and sustainability as a as a topic uh, and as a as an area where where I believe we still have a lot to do and uh, not just still but I would say uh, we're gonna get back to to some of these um, you know aspects where where we could clearly uh, ask the question okay so supply chain is really doing a lot on efficiency and cost control and you know cutting out the waste like lean management and then Toyota production system and uh, and etc. So in that sense, are you not doing this for a long time by now? You know you could you could ask the question and um, and we're gonna get there. Yeah, it's it's not exactly the same and uh, and we're gonna touch upon uh, some of those differences. Um, of course, and uh, and how I really got here, uh, just to, to shortly uh, also touch on that as a, as a background. Um, I started, you know, in industry, worked uh, in different supply chain roles across uh, pharma and uh, uh, FMCG, CPG uh, companies, uh, so a different um, aspects from operational roles to, to more project management and program management roles or implementation of different processes like SNOP uh, or SNOE for that matter or different uh, uh, systems uh, that support the supply chain as such uh, from an IT perspective. So how do we manage to to control the the processes better? Uh, And then of course I I changed to consultancy and worked for different consultancies in the UK and worldwide. So that was quite a nice uh, element to to add to my background and expertise so so that's how how I got to you know the point that okay maybe after a few years I would like to work on my own and uh, start my own little company and see how how I can help uh, others uh, continue the same way but a little bit uh, more freedom for myself at the same time so (laughs) I guess that was kind of the code word for me freedom or a little bit more freedom and at the same time still helping uh, others uh, do things better than than uh, what they did before. So that's how we got here pretty much <laughs> over the last 19 plus years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have quite the portfolio and quite the background. Um, I'm kind of curious to kind of jump back to the start though and ask, um, how did you get into the supply chain? Obviously you had jobs, but was it something you found um, at a young age, kind of educational level? Um, how did you jump into it? And then how did this kind of um, evolve into sustainability? 
Well, it's uh, it's quite a change actually. So, so in my background, uh, what I studied really was uh, international business administration, and with that, you wouldn't believe marketing, huh? So, how do you get from marketing to supply chain and sustainability? Um, of course, marketing is is one of those you know glamorous areas that everybody loves, and then I also wanted to make sure that. Um, if you know the the education in in logistics and supply chain, uh, well, well, that that tells you a lot about my age, by the way. <laughs> that back then, um, um, all the universities and and uh, and the institutions were running really just um, a faculty that was called logistics, simple as that, and not much really about the the overarching concept of supply chain. So it was pretty much you know uh, looking in. Um, you know the nitty-gritty of moving boxes as we usually say in supply chain as well as some of the the um commercial aspect and then uh, international trade customs clearance or inco terms and all of these things right so it was of course uh, pretty thorough don't get me wrong so as, as a university education it was pretty good but still not the broader aspect of supply chain that you would really get excited uh, to hear about right so that's when when i thought okay maybe marketing would be better for me to to explore as a student but uh, back then uh that was it. And then I started working for different companies uh, in FMCG as well. Um, and uh, quite frankly, uh, through product commercialization, uh, I found really my passion in leading uh, at least, you know, a level of complexity that I found in commercialization and how supply chain connects to all of these uh, where, where I could really see, you know, that, that you know, that's complex enough. That's what I really like doing. So, so that's how it evolved. Of course, um, what is uh, kind of critical for me, and I think it would be really a good uh, angle for for most supply chain professionals, is uh, is the commercial background uh, that uh, that I started with. So, so not just my education, but also I started working uh, first and foremost in in sales and marketing um, before uh, joining commercialization and supply chain as as a as a function. And that really helped me to, to have a better understanding, you know, what the customers really need. So early on, before even having APIX or, or CIPS uh, as, as a, a broader education system set up, um, I, I already had that angle. So, so I think uh, that's, uh, that's a good uh, starting point if, you know, other supply chain professionals would like to get a sneak peek into other functions of the, the company. I think that's only, only something helpful. And, and as you said earlier, basically from, from supply chain uh, and, uh, and the broader uh, project management effic efficiency, you know, um, looking for efficiency in, in the different projects and then lean management. Um, I, I basically just found during the years that, that something was missing, you know, and, uh, and that's how I got closer to reading up on my own, quite frankly, about sustainability and then circularity as a topic. And, uh, and now I'm really happy to see that uh, even at the universities now from this year and last, I think late last year, from late last year, you can already study uh, these um, uh, kind of sub faculties uh, on top of your supply chain master. So I'm, I'm really glad to see, but th these weren't available even a few years ago. So I guess uh, everyone who, who's in supply chain and then was interested in, in sustainability as a closer topic, they had to read up themselves. So the relevant um, 
kind of uh, literature or you know uh, academic uh, 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 research availability that you could uh, look through. It's also not that uh, dense of a, of a library at the moment, to be quite frank. So it's up to us now to produce those uh, in the next uh, few years as well to, to help uh, the next generations coming in supply chain and supply chain leadership. Definitely. I think it's a really, a really awesome point, kind of um, how important the supply chain and how recognized the supply chain is becoming lately. Um, I've definitely seen a lot more university courses kind of pick up on this. And I just think it's interesting because it's so essential and it's so important. Um, and that kind of brings me to want to talk about um, the business you launched last year. Um, kind of what does that involve and um, what, what does it provide as well? Absolutely. And as, as you just mentioned, I launched it last year in the middle of the pandemic, which was quite a coincidence. Uh, let me put it that way. Um, I obviously did not count with the with the pandemic when I made my decision, and then within uh, three to four months, uh, we were in the middle of uh, of it and the thick of it, uh, as we say. Uh, but uh, in general, what I do is. Um, is really a, a couple of uh, um, cornerstones in terms of you know um, setting uh, supply chain strategies and uh, business models um, from even the basics, right? So if, if a company is a small company or a startup, then we start from scratch and, and build that up from scratch, including for instance searching for partners as well. So so from really from the top uh, or or even bottom up, depending on what the company needs, uh, we can address uh, strategic questions tactical or operative questions and then correcting, uh, you know, these uh, issues or even just build up something that hasn't been there before. For instance, uh, a lot of companies are st still struggling with, you know, customer collaboration or, or supplier collaboration or what does that really entail and how do we make this network really work for ourselves and for others as well. Um, so even though we, we discussed these topics for, for the last 10, 15 years, you know, supply chain can be uh, a bit of a double-edged uh, sword, as we say, you know, most of the times uh, we, we talk about a lot of um, uh, very nice topics, you know, and and yes, some companies, even the bigger ones, they have, you know, uh, a lot of budget compared to uh, smaller companies, SMEs or startups. Um, they have enough budget, you know, to launch bigger transformation programs. But how do you really manage to get all of these things done in a smaller company? So, so that's where uh, the companies like myself and then my company can come in handy because that's just easier to translate into uh, something bite-sized than what they can really understand with, um, you know, much less uh, background in supply chain. So it, it stays with them and they can utilize it without, you know, much of a... Um, daily or day-to-day -day support uh, as, as, as such. Or on, on, the other, on, on the other hand, um, what I really like doing, and then I don't say it uh, enough, uh, is, uh, is really functional coaching. And, uh, and it's not, you know, uh, the type of coaching that you would normally uh, mention or get used to it. It's not really about, you know, how you, um, reach your, you know, private or personal goals or, or how you manage your life better, but more, very, very similar to, to these uh, methodologies, of course, but, but uh, it's more focusing on, you know, how um, supply chain professionals can, can really build the best professional life for themselves, because 
we didn't have that before. And then I truly um, missed, you know, when I was young and I was there starting out in supply chain, it would have been really nice if people uh, above me or, you know, just ahead of me uh, in the profession would have had more time for me to, to coach me or mentor me, right? And, um, and yeah, and in that sense, I, I believe that uh, that is really helpful. For instance, if you need to choose between, you know, uh, would you like to go uh, left or right in, in the next steps of your career, which one is better to choose uh, given that you have X, Y, or, or Z, um, you know, targets in your, in your career or what you have uh, um, thought uh, for yourself uh, where, you know, that there's, this, you know, notor notorious question of where you would like to be in five to 10 years. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people, first of all, cannot answer that. Secondly, if they answer it, they don't know how, how to get there, right? Or, or how is the best way to build up the knowledge which will really take them there. And in supply chain, as, as it's really a broad um, function, even within uh, any of the bigger companies, you can easily go, you know, in a way that, that would either silo you in or, or you can go in um, a few years trip that, uh, that will not take you closer to, to where you would like uh, to be or where you see yourself being in five years. So it can be good for those who are lost or can be good for those who are really driven. So, so both angles are really good. And, and you know, for, from my perspective, um, I just wanted to give back to, to the profession as well and utilize those um, maybe missteps as well that I did myself. So let's be frank. This is not, you know, a glamorous... Uh, uh, route or, or anything, I think, for, for any of us in supply chain, especially women as well. And, um, and I mentioned this topic to you, uh, I think, earlier that uh, it's really uh, an important side for me to, to ensure that girls also get a good chance in, in, in living a good career and a good uh, professional life uh, as a supply chain professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's something I want to touch on later as well is kind of the um, passing on of the torch maybe of knowledge um, and kind of this open network that needs to happen within the supply chain to kind of keep these conversations going and just keep this knowledge kind of sharing about. So definitely would like to touch on that later, but I'm kind of curious now to ask about um, you launching a business within COVID um, and kind of what were the challenges with this? I assume you did obviously remote um, working, working from home and we're on Zoom right now. And, you know, you think we'd be, really really good like masters of zoom by now because <laughs> it's all we use so yeah run me through these kind of challenges you had and, and how you overcame them as well it's it's such a good question emily i honestly have to say that if anyone asked me this question you know 10 years down the line i would probably find it hard to uh to answer but but i can give you a couple of cornerstones where where i really felt like you know okay i, I have no idea what i'm doing at the moment but i will find solutions um and that takes us i think uh, to the first uh and then and biggest point for me that uh, i learned about myself as well probably again is that um, if you really uh, want to launch your own company, uh, no matter when, it, there will never be a good time, right? It doesn't really matter what the, the circumstances are from, from a business environment perspective. If you really wanna do it, you can do it. You just need to persevere, right? And, and you need to wake up every day 
really saying to yourself, okay, look, I know things are not going the best way possible, but what are those avenues that I can explore right every day? So that kind of resourcefulness and, and, um, and getting things done that's uh, that's something that that everybody needs and and will need to use especially during the pandemic but um what kind of issues i encountered uh, just as more specifically uh first of all uh, you know every single business slowed down so even if i had you know good conversations with companies about projects or potential uh, improvements or anything that they they got interested in especially circular uh, economy or or sustainability uh, many of the companies were really focused on and, and still are very focused on, you know, um, just to survive on, on the day-to-day -day things. And, uh, and that takes, uh, you know, a lot of um, time and effort to, to even, um, or even more effort than, than we thought before, to convince them that sometimes, you know, um, to live through or to, to survive a pandemic is also uh, the best way to step on and uh, and implement something that is more sustainable, right? So that's sometimes uh, not the easiest step, but uh, on the long term, uh, much more um, efficient, not just cost-wise, but also for the company. So it, it will give them, you know, additional opportunities later on after survival. But it's not exactly easy to to explain to companies who are fighting for survival. And uh, on top of that, uh, of course, uh, as you mentioned, Zoom meetings, uh, whether I like it or not, inspecting a warehouse or you know a manufacturing facility does not fly over Zoom. <laughs> so, so those things I, I had to put aside, right? And, um, and focus on more of those projects and uh, an incremental or even, um, more of uh, the advisory side, right, where people um, need kind of uh, short term, but still, you know, strategic uh, level input into their decision making process. So these are the things that um, that are more important at the moment. And uh, on top of that, uh, the other thing that I really focused on is, is helping others, you know, even if, uh, if it's for free. I mean, um, at, at the same time, you know, when you launch a business, you need to count with um, a certain runway where you are financing the whole thing for yourself. And, uh, and in essence, I also believe in, uh, you know, long-term relationship building where, where I don't want to focus on, you know, making money. I, I didn't do my business to to <laughs> to be a millionaire. Uh, of course, people need to live on on money, but uh, for me, primarily, it's about uh, building long-lasting uh, um, partner relationships where where they really see the help that I can provide uh, for those people and companies, and um, and that's much more important. So, so for me, that's uh, that's the other angle. So, so I also help. Um, partners or, or people for free, uh, depending on uh, what kind of issues or um, cash flow shortage they, they have at the moment, if they are a startup or an SME, right? So you, you can also encounter that in the middle of a pandemic. So all of these things combined. And, uh, and yeah, it puts you under stress. And uh, that's also something we need to manage. Um, 
yeah, of course, I also um, manage my own stress and uh, and how I deal with these things. But maybe maybe we can keep that for later if if that's uh, that's of interest. But yeah, these are the the key things really uh, postponement of the projects. Uh, you know, people being really under stress and and sometimes having cash flow problems. So so that that you need to manage as a new company. It's not easy. And uh, and yeah, I have to say, I, I did count with this. And uh, yeah, the runway is a little bit longer than I expected originally, but we will we will make it happen. So, mm-hmm. And it's definitely a good point, kind of um, everything and everybody was, you know, um, affected by the pandemic. So like you said, there isn't a good time to start. You just got to go with it and kind of stick it out really, haven't you? Um, and I kind of want to touch on um, sustainability over the past year and maybe has have you noticed any change of opinions or maybe like a shift in focus on sustainability um because I, I meant I've spoken to a few people before and it's kind of brought to my attention that obviously everything is disposable now um you know you go to restaurants the menus are all paper we have disposable masks um anything in shops you know is is just thrown away to obviously to stop the spread so um, what has this impact been on sustainability and have you noticed, you know, opinions change because of that? Yeah, you know, I think you 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 have started out the question with the, with the right uh, observation. Uh, we did start with the pandemic, you know, uh, by by throwing a lot of disposable things at it and, and that, that went on top of our own, you know, quite... Um, a non-sustainable way of living already, so that was quite quite a blow. But um, what I see, uh, at least, uh, also confirmed by by uh, my U.S. counterparts as well as in Asia, that uh, more and more people, especially the younger generations, they they really woke up, and and uh, the mindset in general in the population has shifted already. Um, not just based on the pandemic or as an outcome of the pandemic, but also based on the fact uh, that we have so many issues from a, a climate perspective and and then weather um, you know the the unpredictability of the weather or what would you you know even put on the the day next and sometimes you consult uh, any of the of the weather forecast and you still cannot tell and you end up you know doing something completely different that that is still not something that people are used to and they they started waking up really saying okay well, we need to do something differently. And then uh, I see um, even, uh, you know, some of the, the company owners um, who have a, a huge, uh, you know, conglomerate uh, to steer, that they also started saying, okay, maybe we cannot take, you know, huge steps or we cannot change our whole production at the moment, but at least they started hiring sustainability uh, relevant um, organizational um uh, parts or functions, they started building up this function within the organization or different parts of the organization, usually as part of supply chain or as part of uh, operations. And uh, and they started taking action. Of course, we are far away from, you know, uh, an ideal solution, but uh, look, nothing is, you know, uh, overnight, right? Especially not uh, for those companies who, who have a huge uh, asset park, for instance, that, uh, that they invested in over the last 10, 20 years that you can't really change uh, overnight. But um, 
of course, the pressure is on as well, right? From from young uh, startups and then companies uh, with the ownership uh, of your age group, actually, or even younger, right, Emily? So, so I, I'm really happy to see that because they really put a lot of pressure on on you know the golden oldies. I'm, I'm not even that old. I'm just middle aged, but but it puts good. Uh, and then honestly, um, I'm saying this with 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 absolute positivity. I really appreciate that pressure because I think some of uh, you know my generation and a little bit older we got a little bit complacent about you know how much this uh, kind of lifestyle from professional and the private perspective impacts uh, uh, the planet and uh, and the climate and uh, this pressure from the younger generations really started uh, building up and really started paying off. So so I think this is uh, something that will also help. Um, everyone uh, on the right path and uh, and building in much more sustainability relevant um, activities uh, with the bigger companies as well and of course the smaller ones they are easier to change but from a mentality perspective oh you would be surprised some of them are like yeah yeah we used to do it like this why would we change now right so yeah it's it's not you know a given that the company is smaller than it's a linear direction in terms of changing uh, the mindset. And um, and with that, actually, I don't want to change topic uh, just yet, but we will get to that as well, that in terms of uh, what is really the difference about the mindset and um, why it's important. Yeah, definitely. Um, we will touch on that just after kind of, um, I was curious to ask about um, a topic we previously spoke about on another call, kind of frugal supply chains. Um, it was something that I hadn't heard before. Um, I'd only been in the supply chain realm for about a year now. So I'm kind of wondering um, if you could kind of explain this to myself and the listeners and then linking back to how you deliver this um, as an idea to the business you work with. Absolutely. And and it's no wonder that you haven't really heard about it. It's it's not exactly a topic that has been discussed over the last 10 20 years actually if you even check you know all the scholarly articles uh, around it it's uh, not dating back earlier than the early 2000s so around 2002 to 2004 and uh, the majority was produced around uh, 2014 2018 so yeah about frugal supply chains is really you know the difference or the the key element of frugal supply chain uh, is uh, is a mindset change uh, and uh, of course uh, utilizing all of those methodologies and toolboxes that we had in supply chain earlier but really to change the mindset into finding resources where people were unable to find resources before and turning you know even waste into resources and finding ways to cope with you know if if uh, we consider something uh, finally a waste along the supply chain, then find a way to reuse it or upcycle it or just utilize in a way that goes back into this circular process, right? So, and then to arrive to that mindset, uh, we really need to change, you know, how people think about um, supply chains and the value along the, the, the supply chains or the value chains, as we, we usually say, right? So we started changing terminology around supply chain and, and supply networks and value networks uh, already as part of the pandemic, just to grasp a little bit better what we are discussing here. And um, 
the whole point is to create, you know, value along the lines and along the value chains uh, from three different perspectives, not just economical, but ecological and social perspective as well, right? So, of course, this uh, creates a different kind of uh, value chain setup for the companies, but it's not more expensive, it's just different, right? So, we need to shift from... Um, how can I say this in a, in a, in a very nice way, but uh, I, I, I think as you, you are in the UK, you also have seen that nice BBC uh, piece uh, or commercial that they have done on, you know, uh, this uh, cheap mindset or, or how we, we buy into this very cheap mindset, uh, the cheaper, the cheapest and even cheaper than, than the cheapest kind of thing. And, um, and we need to kind of reevaluate, you know, what is really value in society and, and ecologically and, and what is really um, that, that will bring us more value in the supply chain as well. So for me, that's critical to see that maybe something is not that cheap or not as cheap as we used to buy it beforehand. But if, you know, if you lay over that, um, that value over uh, 10 times the, the lifespan of, of what uh, the other uh, version used to uh, stand out, right? As part of the process or, or just to be able to serve the process then it's equally worthy, right? So it's a different kind of uh, evaluation and that's just one aspect of the many. And uh, how we normally, or how I normally uh, deal with, you know, um, just discussing this in the first place with the companies that, uh, that I work with is really, you know, first of all, just to see how they evaluate their own value chain. Do they have a value chain map, right? And that goes back to the toolboxes and methodologies we know already, right? So that I'm not gonna say anything extraordinary, but really to see, you know, if they have produced a value chain map or supply chain map as such, uh, or the Google maps, as I say, for their own organization. And if they haven't, then we need to map it, right? And then basically step-by-step step going through uh, if there is anything, you know, that uh, that they consider uh, a waste or something that they, they are unable to use. And instead of just kind of putting it into that black box that they used to do before, get rid of it and someone else will take care of it, find, you know, a partner and build that ecosystem of companies who are circulating the value of the materials that go into the process. And on top of that, if, uh, you know, they have some kind of uh, imagination of creativity, uh, you know, gap or, or just lack of, uh, you know, the skills, then, then we go through uh, a little bit of um, design thinking methodology and, uh, and then getting, you know, some um, different inputs around, you know, a certain functions. So for instance, if I work with, you know, a sourcing team, then we might actually just go on a, on a simple treasure hunt to, to get them out of, uh, you know, there's the standard mindset of, uh, of uh, cost cutting and efficiency and, and uh, year on year, you know, <laughs> efficiency gains in a sourcing team and then see um, along their own value chain how much treasure they can actually hunt. So these these are things I know it, it's, it's a little bit, uh, um, uh, not far-fetched, but but from from a different perspective, you know, it's uh, it, it seems to be of um, a methodology that uh, that is closer to um, 
kind of product creation and, and design and uh, innovation methodologies, but that's what we need to get back as well and give back uh, for the whole supply chain uh, organization at every level to empower people with that freedom of mindset so they are able to innovate uh, within their uh, roles, right? And then not be afraid of coming up with, uh, with innovation uh, to the process, even if, uh, you know, it impacts an, another role or even 10 other different roles or other parts of the organization, they need to uh, be able to um, uh, be empowered and then come forward with those uh, ideas. And that's how, you know, you can harness more power from the organization. And that goes back to, again, Something that we know for a long time, it's again, nothing new, it's just using it in a different mindset. Really the, the empowerment of the whole organization, right? And then and, and try to give uh, a bit more decision-making power back into to those people who are actually doing the job because whether we like it or not, you know, you can engage experts um, externally uh, to, to help looking at the process, which helps because those who, who deal with the process they might become snow blind right within the organization but um, but equally to um, engage people and and you know to encourage them to think uh, about their own uh, work and their own process as if they were external to the company and get this angle back is is critical it's really important and many people lose it within three to six months sometimes 12 months depending on the personality after joining an organization so that's about it in a nutshell, Sophia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very fascinating. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and forgive me if you kind of were touching on this slightly, but I want to think about kind of, obviously you mentioned the mindset and it is a lot about the mindset, but I'm wondering how do you install a mindset into a whole business um, that, you know, that wants to focus on sustainable sustainability and re resourcefulness and how do you get that to kind of weave its way into their business plan? Do you have any um, kind of strategy that you go about doing that? Yeah, normally uh, what what we do is is not not even you know it sounds easy, but it's definitely not easy. So so as as we always say in any kind of consulting or advisory uh, scheme is yes yes everything looks very simple and very easy, and on a daily basis it's really hard to to execute. But uh, in general, you know, uh, what I find working and, and again, I'm, I'm really <laughs> honest about this. It, 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 there's no shortcuts and then no, you know, um, leapfrog uh, situation happening anywhere. We really need the leadership of the company to live uh, what they speak, you know, day by day. So, so walk the talk, talk the talk, uh, no matter which, uh, which one of the phrases we, we choose, right? So if, for instance, um, if we really talk about sustainable goals, right? I would like to see companies, and then that's uh, also um, as a supply chain professional, uh, something that uh, I would like to see more and more happening. Do not set, you know, 2050 goals. Right, you you see a lot of companies setting goals, and then to reach you know uh, carbon neutrality by 2050. Yes, how, right? So if I see you know uh, a management really thinking um, uh, hard and and, and thinking uh, honestly about doing these steps, then then seeing you know uh, the roadmap from from the promise 
uh, and how they're gonna get there. That's what's gonna engage people on the way, right? So uh, I can give really good examples as well that I see happening already, right? So don't get me wrong, I see big companies, corporations really walking the talk. So, so again, it's, it's about the management and, and, and how they live it every day, right? Are they willing to follow up on these accountabilities that they set for they, their teams or not? I know it sounds a bit simple or, you know, <laughs> ABC business uh, uh, kind of thing, but, uh, but at the same time, unfortunately, that's, that's what it is. Uh, if you as a, as a leader live it every day and you hold yourself and, and everybody around you accountable, then it will happen. And um, if not, uh, then it's not gonna happen. Uh, and uh, the only thing uh, I work on with, uh, with different leaders is, uh, is really how to you know, realize themselves where their own boundaries are, where they see you know, uh, gaps in skills or knowledge as well, where they, they really don't know what they are doing. So be honest. Uh, with ourselves and and embark on that day-to-day um, -day learning uh, uh, journey that they need to do themselves, right? So even for me, I'm again, very honest with you, do I know everything about sustainability and circularity? Obviously not, but I also every day read something new that will take me closer to, to knowing even more than what I know at the moment. And uh, that's also the behavior that I would like to see from those that I either coach or work with on sustainability and circularity. So that's a kind of uh, part of that frugal mindset as well, where, where we build the knowledge and the capabilities of the organization, and then they are able to execute on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Um, uh, again, sounds simple, not so simple to do, as, as you mentioned as well. So, yeah, we will see, you know, but there are organ organizations, as I mentioned, they are doing it beautifully. So I think others can really learn from them. Uh, so I think you also showcased some of them already uh, within uh, not, not only the podcast, but also within uh, other um, publications. So really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it's really fascinating and it's something that uh, we do try and showcase here a lot. And also um, you mentioned earlier kind of uh, being a woman in the supply chain. That's something we also do try to focus on uh, kind of diversity. And obviously it's um, National Women's, uh, sorry, Women's Day coming up soon, isn't it? Uh, I think on the 8th, is it? So we you know we all try to um, pitch in and we've got a top 100 women coming up, which is just really exciting. Um, so I kind of want to touch on um, your future within the supply chain and kind of your future goals for yourself, the business, and then maybe zooming out a bit and thinking kind of ideal supply chain goals. Um, what are these and, and kind of how do you want to achieve them, I guess? That's a really good question. Uh, how do I see this for myself, ideally? I would like to see many more women in supply chain leadership position and again, I know it sounds, you know, like world peace uh, uh, coming from a mouth of, uh, you know, someone at the top of the, the Miss World uh, contest, but uh, it is really something that, that we still, uh, um, you know, haven't been able to achieve. I see more and more really uh, uh, fantastic professionals and experts sitting in, in higher leadership positions in supply chains, but 
if if you do, to take a look at you know the full field of, of where we operate, then it's still just uh, uh, the top of the iceberg, right? And um, at this moment, it's not just about leadership. Um, if I really go back to you know circular economy and sustainability, um, the education that um, that women can contribute to simply uh, by exchanging, you know, uh, information from different parts of the world, like developing countries, right? Obviously, they do uh, frugal supply chains and frugal innovation much better than developed countries by the definition of them needing it more than, than, than developed countries, right? So it's it's pretty easy from, from that perspective and not that easy from from an overall uh, everyday perspective for them, but but that kind of exchange and uh, and uh, that uh, you know level of uh, professional insight um, uh, circulation as well, that would be something I, I would like to see for the future to happen even more, and uh, and I think women can be uh, really a driving engine there because. Um, we simply, uh, well, what I see based based on my experience, we, we simply just, you know, engage better um, between each other. Uh, we just pick up the phone, hit it off and, uh, and start talking about anything, <laughs> you know, that interests us, uh, even if we have never met professionally and then someone is calling me from the other end of the planet, right, from Australia or New Zealand, <laughs> and then we just... Um, we just exchange good information. So, so that kind of information exchange, uh, more structured, you know, um, development of uh, of women in supply chain, and um, how we give feedback and and how we support women, how we mentor and coach women in supply chain to to live their their best professional uh, life. That that is something I would like to see because. Even if you know some some women make it to the top, I, I still hear um, stories where I would like to hear something different than what they went through, right? As, as a professional story, and and that's sometimes heartbreaking. And then there's not even harassment or anything; just simply, you know, professional neglect or or unnecessary battles that uh, that in many cases men simply don't need to to wait, right, during their career. So, so those are the things uh, that would be really, like maybe futuristic at the moment, but I would like to see in an ideal world happening. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think we have to be kind of optimistic and, and uh, hopeful for that because I do, I do see there being a, a very big future for, you know, um, female leaders in the supply chain. I've, I've spoken to my, my fair share of them and they are, uh, amazing they're all so lovely um and it, it's kind of just exciting to see um kind of as a young person within the supply chain myself you know so um kind of wrapping things up now um I know we had to skip skip over a few things but I'm just kind of wondering is there anything else you really wanted to touch on um just to kind of wrap things up or or just a final message you wanted to give to the audience at all yeah yeah and you touched on a really good uh, message there I would like to tell everyone, the young generations, please do not shy away from supply chain just because it seems to be complex or not such a, you know, um, glamorous topic than, than the other functions, because I think it's really uh, giving you a lot back as, as a professional. So I would really encourage a, a lot more people to, to try and uh, give a chance to a career in supply chain, especially both. So it's not just for engineer and for guys. So I know we are getting there, 
but uh, that's that's more like I would like to encourage the young ones to to take up this profession more and more. It's really a rewarding uh, choice. Absolutely, and I think it's kind of goes back to the point we were talking about earlier, where kind of the younger generations are a bit more demanding, maybe especially around sustainability and these kind of resourcefulness ideas and ideals. Um, so I think it kind of it is the only way forward, right? And this this uh, torch of knowledge we were talking about, I think it all just really wraps together nicely. So I really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, thank you for your amazing insights. And I kind of always like to say, I hope we can carry this conversation on, you know, on LinkedIn, talk about it. Um, we I love posting about uh, top 100 women we just did recently. So, um, you know, I'd love to keep this conversation going, maybe come back next year see how things are, uh, you know, post-COVID and everything. So, yeah, I'd like to thank you so much for your conversation today. Thank you, Emily, absolutely. And uh, can't wait to see much more content and uh, engage further with everyone in, uh, in the community. So thank you so much again for this opportunity and also for an amazing set of questions. It's really, it was fantastic. Thank you so much. No worries. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you, Emily.